District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. So, Madison, we're finally doing a podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to District of Conservation, I guess, night edition. Yes, in the cabin. (laughs) In the cabin. So, we're currently recording, dear listeners, in this really cute Airbnb. This will be coming out Monday following Monday, so whatever this Monday is, the 23rd. We're pre-recording before August 23rd. Kind of cataloging our little adventures, I wanted to bring on Madison to talk about her foray into outdoor filmmaking, outdoor storytelling, because when we were introduced almost two years ago by our mutual friend, Jalen Johnson, um, she had done largely like interviews, documentaries, things of that sort, and I really have exposed her kind of by design, but partly by accident as well to kind of the wonders of, you know, energy, environment, conservation, storytelling, and she also has a keen eye for looking for underreported stories, so we've worked well together. We have a lot of fun on our trips, as you guys can tell, and it's always nice to meet a fellow freelancer. So Madison, why don't you tell everyone about your business, how you got into this, and then what your first impressions have been, or what your impressions have been, not only working with me and CFAC, but also just exploring this kind of subgenre of filmmaking. Yep. So I started getting into little filmmaking in college at Florida State in Tallahassee. And there was a major there. It's called digital media production. We learned how to shoot interviews and tell people stories. Most of them was uh, were kind of around the sporting events at the school. And when I graduated, um, I was interested in like political stuff. So I was working on Capitol Hill doing video editing. Then I decided to go out on my own um, in beginning of 2020 and yeah after I met Gabby we started doing some outdoor like the filmmaking uh in the outdoor space I just fell in love with it and like she said I love telling people stories that are kind of unheard and amplifying them because the gift I have is able to you know tell someone's story in a super cool way that they couldn't do otherwise if they didn't have a filmmaker person. So Yeah, we've been very lucky with you working with us through CFACT to be able to do this. And we have to give kudos to Adam and Craig and everyone else for liking our idea of bringing on a filmmaker like yourself and really expanding the series. Because when we started, I was self-filming. And if I have a little more practice, I could probably be halfway decent. But I was like, guys, it's too much for me to wrangle <laughs> with. And we need to hire someone and, and have someone work with us. And you were just the perfect person after all consideration of right. vetting candidates. And funny enough, our first video together, we were interviewing people about the outdoors, but we were largely filming indoors. We yeah. went to Capitol Hill area. Yeah. that It was Conservation Nation episode three. And we were filming Safari Club International and then also Congressman John Curtis of Utah. And we were supposed to talk to Bruce Westerman who listens to the show, but they had some other stuff conflicting with it. So we couldn't sit down with him, but maybe in the future we will, because he's a cool forester guy. He likes the podcast too. Um, And so we filmed a little bit in the local DC area in one of the Huntley Meadows kind of wildlife refuges near my house. And that was very interesting. And even since that time, like we've adapted a little bit like I now have a portable teleprompter that makes things easier for (laughs) conclusions now I do voiceovers and we just kind of have this synergy professional synergy where like you could read me and I could read you about different things and like we you know Mm -hmm. I draft the script and with the help of um, Adam I'm able to edit it fine-tune it and then like you're able to see my vision our vision 
for the series and just like electrify, let yep. it go and and let it come alive more so. And yeah. the reception has been great internally. I've gotten a lot of feedback from friends who just love the video quality production. And, you know, even this trip that we've had, we last week we were in Texas. Now we're in yes. the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. And we've like gone through rugged terrain and so many different things. And this year alone, we filmed, I don't even know. We wanted to do filming before, you know, a crazy fall season because you'll probably have other clients. I'll do other stuff for CFACT. And we just wanted to squeak it out. I have other commitments too with different clients as well. And it's just been so much fun to see the country. How, how have you liked that? Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm from like a, a beach town in Florida. So it's, um, I still never was exposed to rural life really. I mean, I lived in a bunch of different cities like Atlanta, Nashville, LA. And now it's, it's like the dream kind of doing what we're doing, touring around America and the small towns and all these industries. I had no idea. Like I, I don't, I knew nothing about natural resource conservation and hunting, fishing even. Like I didn't grow up doing any of that. I just have always been a creative person and I'm just in love with again like telling someone's story and looking back at the footage and seeing all the all the images together. It's like I don't I can't describe the feeling. I I really enjoy it. Uh, God's creation, God's people, his country. Um, this country's great and uh man, I could go on. <laughs> Well, oh yeah, it it really is. And we've met so many individuals along the way. They've been featured on the podcast. We've used their extended audio, what we couldn't include in the videos. Obviously, I did not want to let that those sound clips go to waste. So we've incorporated that mm -hmm. here onto the podcast. And we've had a multitude of wonderful people. We've had the Florida ranchers. We've had Mike Elfenbein. We've had different sorts of people. We had fun in Pennsylvania filming with Tyler his father-in-law, yes. and then also Kenny. He's yep. become a Shout fan out of Kenny. ours. <laughs> if you're watching this. <laughs> I don't think he's hearing this oh, quite yet, man. but I told him about the podcast. <laughs> um, but no, Kenny will be out in video format soon, and I think people will like him. We posted a little teaser, but he's probably the coolest forester. Oh, yeah. He'll be a, oh, a big... He'll be, he'll be a you hit with the ladies, for sure. He's pretty easy on the eyes, and that's not only that, but he's also very smart and pretty knowledgeable, so... He's going to be quite the character, can explain forestry, because forest management wildfires are now raging all across the country, out west especially. So I think that'll be timed really well in the fall when we release that. We had a lot of fun in Pennsylvania. Even I learned a lot about fracking and different things, yeah. which I didn't know about beforehand. So we got to see that in the flesh, do a little bit of demos, and just we drove that country, and it's super rural, very yeah. different from what I'm accustomed to, too. And then... We were just in Texas. We worked with Herman and his friends and different exceptional mm -hmm. contacts there. I mean, you find a lot of common threads with these interview subjects, like yeah. very similar values, yep. just different accents, maybe slightly different experiences, but all of them have such unique storylines yeah. and storytelling. And we've had people be connectors for us because we can't, like if we didn't have the help of Herman or Mike right. or my friend Travis, who you met during yeah. my birthday dinner back in March, like if we didn't have these connectors or Tyler even... Yeah. And then Joe Condilis here in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem and also Matt from Montana as well. So like yeah. if we didn't have certain connectors, we couldn't, I don't think yeah. we could film this. Yeah. So it's like, we've had great storytellers. We've had great connectors who are also part of the storyline. Some of them choose not to mm -hmm. be, but some of them are as well. And we have so much more of the country to explore. Right. But what has been kind of your favorite moment so far in our um, 
bro since Adventures. like i mentioned like just <clears throat> meeting all the people is just so cool and so fun and what makes our videos good i think is because we have good interview subjects you know that's a huge part people and they're not famous either people don't get yeah they're just the normal part. folks where they know what they're talking about so when you get the mixture of us as like producers and directors and we can um you know get the image looking right and you know ask them the right questions for them to just you know be the expert on the topic um get them comfortable yeah. to talk because some of them are shy i've noticed that and i'm like you can say anything you want we won't get you in trouble right. if you tell us there's something you don't like we will cut it out as long as it's germane to the subject matter like we'll we'll take whatever it is you think like that that's not workable we'll move it we'll we'll know what is workable for the videos what's going to stand out what is succinct what will fit into our storyline so these people like i think some of them some of the interview subjects who've been previously very shy are now like a lot more comfortable speaking and they're like I kind of got something off my chest telling my story and I want to do that. And I think we could create a ricochet effect with more people as more people start to see the videos come out, just see and get comfortable with talking about their story. I mean, we've talked with oil and gas. I think we're going to see more and more people, especially in that industry speak out just because they're, they were timid, maybe afraid of retribution or blowback or something. But the Cameron energy guys were pretty good, for example. And some of the people we spoke to in Texas as well, We've covered some issues have had some overlap. Of course, you'll see those themes a little bit drawn here, but we try to be different even with some similar kind of themes that we have, but we try to find some different hooks and different angles. And this trip that we're on now in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem with bear conservation focused on grizzly bears, black bears, and just what goes into that and kind of the misunderstandings of that, I think that's going to be really well received by people. And it's a subject I've focused on and have talked about here on the podcast as well. Um, even though I don't hunt bears myself, I would love to hunt black bear one day because they are delicious and I don't mind getting the pelt as well, but I would use the whole animal. Um, but there's also just a misunderstanding about how they manage things here. And if you don't have management, it's actually really bad for the bears too. Not just for the humans that sometimes bears can prey on. But um, something that I've explained is that there's a symbiotic kind of relationship between the bears and humans. And we've heard it throughout the week. And I think people will really like that and be like, wow, that's so profound. Right. Didn't know that. And then like you, you saw from the subject, like they love bears. They don't want everything destroyed. They yeah. may support hunting, but they're also rooted in science. And so like those type of things were that confluence of like controversy yep. with common sense. Right. When you blend that in, like people are like, that's maybe not so controversial. Right. And as a filmmaker, you've always been trying to look into that and, and do that. I mean, you've done a multitude of type of formats. So you, we do mini docs here yeah. for our setting You've done a lot of like campaign videos recently for Jalen yeah. and a few others. Like yeah. you've filmed people's storylines. And yeah. I was telling you when I was trying to get you more excited about filming this, I was like, there's a shortage of young people and especially women outdoor storytelling. It's not because it's sexist or anything, but it's largely been, you know, men filming and that's common. And most of them are very good. I've never had problems with guys. But I think as women start to get into the industry more or maybe natural resources or hunting or fishing, I think maybe it'll be a little easier for them to agree to interviews when they know that it's women or fellow yeah. women. It is a little more comfortable to broach right. the subject when when you have other people who are filming or on the mm. other end of the camera and they can feel safe and secure with their story. I know it's so silly to say that, but I've I've heard that from people who say like, I would be comfortable talking to you because like, look, it's like you have women and it doesn't mean like we hate men. No, (laughs) by no means. But I think it's, you're going to see more storytellers and because you can, you're talented enough already. And then you could see different things. And then also 
you know, learn about different things on the go yourself, I think you could easily like transition and help people down sure, the road, yeah. not just us, but oh, I yeah, think I love people to. would love to. I know. But that's like so outdoor storytelling, goal. like you tell, you think you could like brave. I mean, we had some crazy conditions here. Like it was cold. Yeah. We were, we were warned we have to buy like snow gear. <laughs> and I felt like an idiot because I didn't bring my hunting jacket or pants, but I was fine. I had insulated mm. like leggings and things of that sort. But, you know, even with some kind of uh, weird anomalies with respect to the weather, like we even toughed it out, hiked a little bit to get oh, some yeah. footage, things of that sort, like drove miles. Like we went to mm-hmm. this basin to see grizzly bears which that footage is going to be great they're little specks they were kind of hard to get up close but like i did as best as i could with and you'll you'll see the little speck lines like you'll see the bears on their hind legs it's like it's pretty cool like how many people can say that um so yeah we'll go like crazy terrain to get crazy shots amazing shots like brave crazy weather conditions humidity and a little bit of cold and it's just kind of fun to do that like i know for people who do tv in this niche they just like they'll go the distance but we haven't done anything super crazy yet but we've had like a lot of fun comfortable settings people have been great environment has been fun like it's always coincided with fun events like the first trip we did this year to kind of continue off of our first video last year was around my birthday time so we got to like do really fun stuff that related to our filming like everyone thinks like are you just having fun filming and I'm like no like we do serious stuff, but we can have fun too. So how important is it where your subjects are supposed to be fun and have a a good, enjoyable time? Because I sense that you've enjoyed our travels and filming together because we do have fun. Like we we get stuff done. We're, we're serious, but (laughs) sign off on that. Cause I am talking too much. Like you need to chime in more too. I'm trying to think, um, where did I go from here? Um, it has to be fun. Yeah. You like this type yeah. of work. Oh my gosh, it's it's the dream. Like I want this type I want to continue doing this type of filming. Some folks say, "Oh, do you want to work on like big Hollywood sets or whatever?" Um, no. I mean, I moved out to LA thinking I would do that, but I realized I kind of want to stay in this lane I'm at now because I realize this is sort of a um I call it like the middle tier, so you know, there's like the Hollywood scale productions and then there's like middle and there's like your middle school niece filming your birthday party type, yeah. of, type of filming. So it's like, if you don't want to spend, you know, a huge budget on a 10 person film crew, but you also don't want your middle school niece filming, like your whatever you want filmed. It's like, this is where I can like potentially come in and like help ca- catch your vision and tell your story and get it out to the world. Cause, um, yeah, the having a good, a good great video is important and if because if how you present yourself online matters you know so i mean and don't social media platforms now prioritize video that's what i understand and is it frustrating to you i mean you probably like the fact that like video is being prioritized but you don't post it at the right time and i think there's even a demand among in the outdoor industry, I've seen like a lot of things have moved to video. People are using reels mm-hmm. on Instagram or they're doing TikTok, which I refuse to be on for personal reasons. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's actually a lot more censoring yeah. than Instagram, Facebook, I've and heard. Twitter. And I've had some criticism. Social media does sometimes get things wrong and they do censor yeah. outdoor content, hunting content, especially. Even if it's not violent or gory, they just, people like spam report and that goes into the algorithm and their database and they have robots or bots handling that it's not really people a lot of times so like you talk to people on the inside sometimes and and they're like yeah you know if we were a little more human in our response it would work but this move to to video i know the outdoor industry has embraced it but 
why do you think like this niche should embrace it even more? Hmm. Like, is it going to be the future? Is it just a fad? Because social media companies are like, this is the next big thing to have video. I mean, like, I personally, yeah, well, I personally, as a viewer of content, I enjoy, I mean, it's not hating on photographers. That's still needed. Just saying like, you get to know a person so much better through a video format and like, look at all the content people love is mostly reality shows. And so that's okay. why I like documentary filmmaking. Cause it's a similar type of thing. You know, you're catching people in their natural element. It's not, a lot of it's not scripted, which I love, you know, just improvising. And even in the edit sometimes is unscripted, but sometimes we do scripted content. Um, Would you recommend people do short form, long form in terms of outdoor storytelling? It depends on the preference, but I think either could work. But do people, should people kind of learn how to do both? If they're wanting to capture something about fishing, hunting, natural resources. Yeah, I know a lot of folks like to say, oh, people's attention spans like five seconds long. You know, well, I mean, not really. Like, sure, you have an intro hook to your video to keep people around, but. I like to keep kind of my final edits around three to four minutes. Uh, if it's a YouTube yeah. video or something? Right. But of, of course, if like I, if we were working in TV space and they have like 20 minute episodes or whatever. But um, no, I still think there's a need for like the cinematic type of content. And every, not everything is just iPhone TikTok content where it's just you talking to the phone camera. You know? Right. That's needed too sometimes, but. In conservation, it would be super hard. Like some people do go viral. I think I showed you a video that was really great in terms of a reels. It was a fly fishing women's gear company and they specialize in leggings and they're called Fishy Wear out of Alaska. And there was a gal who did like a funny little dance in the leggings with that sunshine lollipop song that we used for the Bucky's <laughs> reel that we did in Texas. And it played well, it got like 500 something plus likes. It got probably 15,000 views. I'm probably under counting how many views it got but it was that type of like viral content for like outdoor stuff that played really well and sometimes like I think the one video we did together actually my best reels was when we filmed in Florida mm-hmm. we did some little b-roll footage of me trying to catch a bass and the cro- or the alligator came through and tried to chomp the bit at the lily pad the bass escaped naturally and so he thought it was still there chomp 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 I'm like I didn't know you're filming and I'm like so surprised. I'm like, what is going on? And it's just funny because yeah. people are like, this is hilarious. This is yeah, funny. Yeah, people love those candid off guard moments. You know, I don't technically like to say I specialize in short form viral content, but, um, but outdoors, you could know. do I mean, very well going viral for good reasons. And then you can go viral for very true. bad reasons. Like, I think a funny like way to go viral in the outdoor or conservation space is like you catch a fish, you're trying to get a picture, and that fish just flies out of your hands or like, weasels its way out of your hands or if you're let's say somewhere interesting i don't know like with wildlife encounters like we've been i I was warning you like we're going to be very careful in bear country we're not going to get anywhere close i mean when we were in gardner montana a few days ago actually our first day in montana on the 17th we saw just elk frolicking regardless of traffic in this northernmost part of the yellowstone national park area and they were just roaming around like no problem, urinating in the street and just walking aimlessly. And we, you know, we took some selfies and fun videos, but like from a distance, you know, respectful, not bothering the wildlife. And they were like kind of there, like, you know, and you can do that and like make interesting content without interfering with wildlife. Because some people I was telling you, like some woman got super close to grizzly bears a few months ago. She's getting fined now because she was a dummy with not respecting keeping a distance. So you could film with wildlife short, funny viral content, as long as you're super aware 
of like not bothering them, encroaching on them and keeping your distance. But I think in the outdoor space, it can work, but like people go viral for stupid reasons, like wearing something. And then there's a whole conversation about what this happens or something wrong can go with that. But I think something that did pretty well. Oh, the video you shot of me attempting to do timber work where I was trying to get that staple into yeah. the, to the um, cut yep. down tree. And I, I captioned it. Like you were telling me like you being a little younger than me, you're still a millennial, but you're mm-hmm. like, you need to have like interesting captions, like even for work aside from our film work, mm-hmm. but like even for different things, like sometimes you may know a little better than me. You're like, here's what does really well. And right. here's what doesn't do well um, for when we post the kind of behind the scenes, look into the, to the video series but like some stuff does well. Um, and then it just depends on the time posting, things yeah, of that sort. I but I, I think like with our mini documentaries, I think there's a value to that. Like in posting fun behind the scenes content is perfectly fine with reporting work. I do that all the time. Um, and, and I think for conservation outdoor space, that's always fun. It like lures people in. So like with video work, anything that kind of like, obviously we're going to continue to work together, but anything that you're going to be planning to do, you're going to be likely spending a little time yeah. in the mountain West before I, you make I it back east. I plan to go to uh, Billings, Montana in September. I actually just put a place for a sublease there. And I'm, I kind of like living a lot by just like, it's scary to live kind of by faith, if you will, but I'm also putting in enough action where it will balance out. Um, but that's just life of, the, of a freelancer. You know, I like, having new things all the time and um i'm currently in a phase of my life where unmarried no kids you know i can afford this kind of flexibility and you know i'm venturing the united states while i can because yeah why not um but one thing i'd like to add with the videos we do one thing i keep in mind is you know when we're asking you know our subjects questions i'm always as like the person behind the camera thinking okay, I'm putting myself in the viewer's shoes. So they want something that's equally entertaining and educational. And so sometimes when the subject talks too much jargon, we'll have to kind of redirect them and be like, okay, and ask them like a, um, I don't want to say funny question, but just more, you know what I'm saying? Like we asked Joe today. Um, oh, about, yeah, yeah. anti-delisters. Yeah, yeah. that, that gets very animated. Like yes. Yeah. Yeah, questions that get people passionate and get people kind of like, <laughs> kind of thought stirred up to to talk. You yeah, know, to, to talk them. really authentically and not super. You know, duh, duh, duh. Mm-hmm. we don't want them to sound scripted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing I try to keep in mind for videos. That's what I think makes ours good because we have that balance of education and entertaining. Yeah, you know, you you lose people on that yeah, type yeah, of stuff exactly if it's just stale. Yep. So yeah, we try to have a hybrid approach to that. Like it's informative, but also kind of fun mm-hmm. at the same time. And sometimes we can't achieve like all the fun action stuff we want to do because sometimes the people we speak to can't open up their facility to sure. us. Or, you know, we make do with trying to make things interesting and innovative and we improvise if we have to. But for the most part, I think we can get that fun, entertaining aspect of it too, or get the subjects to be entertaining and, yeah. and fun in the process of so- showing yeah. something interesting or something funny. And it's, yeah, it, it, the people really do make the videos because it's not about me right. or it's not about you. Right. I mean, your talents obviously come out yeah. and then my hopefully narrating mm-hmm. and journalistic perspective can help be communicated and conveyed. But the the focus really is on the people we speak to and the, the themes that we explore because I don't care about getting famous from this. I want people to be informed. Mm-hmm. And that's why CFAC decided to pair with me on this project, yep. why we brought you on. Yeah. 
Um, and just the need for this, like to have, I mean, we're not only highlighting negative stuff. We're showing things right. on the offensive too, because cool. like, yes, bear conservation is controversial because it includes hunting. That is controversial to people, of course, because they don't understand, unfortunately. <laughs> and then obviously oil and gas with people not understanding how mm -hmm. fossil fuels like power us yeah. in every facet of our lives, whether we like it or not. And to move away from that would make it woefully inconvenient for us to live. Right. Obviously learning about like ranching too. And a lot of people mm -hmm. give those folks flack say, mm -hmm. well, the cows are culpable in these different climate issues and they're all these people who are behind ranches are responsible for all these problems, but then you see that they're not. And then you learn about like water quality issues. That's a very interesting subject. We just broached the subject when we were in Okeechobee in the Everglades, but that it was just, you know, it, it's, it's learning about the Everglades and that ecosystem is just like expansive. It's kind of like the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. So Everglades is not just the national park. It's right. far beyond that. So we learned that there, and just like there's even so much more to talk about even beyond what we did, I think. And we Yeah, I feel like I'm in endless school, you know. Like yeah, you all learn. the different trips we go on, I learned about topics that I would have never learned in mm -hmm. university, that's for sure. Yeah, it's the the beauty of being a freelancer and then working with different entities and people and meeting and working and, and arranging these different things, like you always are learning, and that's what I use this podcast for. Like I never claim I'm I'm an expert. I'm definitely not an expert hunter. I'm just someone who's an observer, who's new to it, who understands the policy behind it, what goes on to it. And I admit that, like, I'm never saying, like, I'm the best expert. Like, I know what's better for everyone. And I try to convey, like, you know, we, we talk politics here. Everyone knows where I stand politically. But I think a true conservation perspective even supersedes my own personal political opinions. I, I want people of different stripes politically to understand what true conservation is. It means balanced use. It means multiple use of stay and yield. It means which those two are very similar for mm -hmm. those unaware. Then it also means like making sure people can also conserve the environment, but also make a livelihood, uh, marrying different subjects, which may not be similar or may, people may perceive to be dissimilar and showcase like it's actually not dissimilar. Like everything is interconnected. Like and that there are all these different people behind these different causes and efforts. And it's not just one person. It's usually like a whole group of people behind things like there are certainly one man bands or one woman bands right. behind different causes but like in florida we saw that it was a huge network of people through some um organizers obviously but it was just a wide tentacle net and then um in different areas it's definitely connected but maybe a little more decentralized and then like here in wyoming we've and montana we've been able to meet people who kind of know about each other but they're not yet working together but they ought to and they want to and but they're doing the same exact thing with all the different challenges. And then when mm -hmm. we interviewed, you know, members of Congress and Safari Club, like that was mm -hmm. cool to see that too, um, even beforehand. And maybe we will do some more stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I think we have some really cool things, hopefully in the pipeline, nothing yep. set in stone, obviously. I don't know if we're going to call this like, if this is season two, I guess. This is probably, no, this is like season three, I guess, of Conservation Nation. Cause I did two, there's really no formal season, but I feel like we've done season three. And then we're going to go into filming season four. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I started in 2018, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I take it back. 2019 is when I officially started filming the series. So that was for season one. Season two was last year when we did the one video. Then now we're season three. See, okay, season four. How about that? So yeah, I'll edit that. But, um, yeah. but no, so we have, I feel like we're on the cusp of season four because I have been doing this now. 
for three years. And yeah, I guess that's how we can call it. Like we don't have any formal seasons, but I feel like to me, this is season four and we've worked for most of the seasons, like half the season so far. And I think we got a good lead for possibly going to Alaska to talk about mining up there near the Arctic. That would yes. be fun to explore. Maybe Let's do it. we'll have another one. I'm trying to think what else we would possibly do. Something we haven't talked about yet. Maybe some more forestry stuff, I think, because it was good. We got Pennsylvania, but I really want to see kind of the mill work, things of that sort. I think maybe we'll talk about some invasive species, about like how they destroy things and if they're not managed mm -hmm. properly. Um yeah, there's endless topics to, to film about. Yeah, I think fun. trapping would be interesting. Um, maybe if we are able to maybe go back to some place like Texas or places that have kind of these like exotic ranches. Um, and I think in a few years time, Texas will be able to, I think it'll be okay to cover this on film, but Texas will probably start to breed um endangered rhinos for instance they have the environment to do it and then they're going to take all those rhinos once they're uh adult size they can you know live on a landscape they're healthy they're like good numbers and i had heard talk and i read somewhere that they may take those rhinos for instance and send them back to africa where they're struggling to combat poachers so That'd be kind of cool to do to showcase like, yeah, these kind of game farms are controversial, but they'll sometimes set aside species to not hunt just to like rehabilitate them. So the, in Texas, because it's very similar to Africa by landscape, lots of people are saying like, so that'd be kind of cool to cover. Mm -hmm. um, we'll find a way to do it where we're not like endorsing anything right. too controversial. But I think that would be something <laughs> interesting, like how we're doing species conservation here in the States and helping other continents with their issues with endangered or threatened species. I also think it would be good to do maybe something about salmon. I've always heard talks about like covering salmon conservation. That could be something interesting. Yeah. Could be a multitude of things. There's so many different stories. Mm -hmm. I actually think relating to species conservation, something we may do, we may have to go back to Florida and this time to Louisiana um, to talk about alligator Ooh. conservation, how actually private interests have led to their growth. Oh, yeah. And that could be something fun to do. So we'll have a lot to explore. And it's not like me breaching any contracts or anything. We could talk about these yeah. subjects because anyone listening who may be into it, like we want to hear your suggestions. Like mm -hmm. you have to all connect with and follow Madison. Mm -hmm. Tell her like what we should film. If you get a chance to talk to her yeah. about the video series, like you always talk to me about what you guys would like us to see. Um, I was talked, I was mentioned to do like something about men hated in Virginia. That'd be kind of cool to do there's yeah there's a lot of subjects we can go we're not done we're just getting yeah. started yeah we're having fun and kind of let's let's have you speak more because okay. i am like dominating the conversation and i hate that because i am a talker <laughs> but and you're also not that super chatty and that's okay but we'll try to bring that out to you so i never done a podcast so i never know how do you like uh, interject while you're talking you oh know? interject all the way please so i want to maybe do like a quick how would you call it Let's do a quick, like, quick round type okay. of questioning. Okay. So videographer who inspires you the most? Um, it's probably the, I don't know their name, but there's a show on Netflix called Last Chance You. It's a documentary series about an underrated underdog football team. And they're a Juco football team. And that's what really got me going with documentary films. Yeah, I don't know the guy's name. Okay. It's called a lightning round. We're doing a lightning round Oops, questioning. That was long answer. Okay, equipment that you use. Panasonic Evo One. That's a good question. 
It's a mirrorless camera. Describe for those who are not it's, familiar. It's with a it. old. It's actually a cinema camera now. I upgraded from oh, the, from the GH5. I right. upgraded, and then I use a Sennheiser lapel mic. You need to Pretty check much. out the roadie stuff because that rock wireless mic yeah. will rock your world. But I'll get you, I'll get you onto that eventually. But don't go crazy about spending things. Yeah. Okay, if people want to start learning about filmmaking, whether it's on a YouTube channel, maybe they're working with people, kind of like an arrangement we do, where we have a sponsor and we have people who back our production. What is the best way to start? Like, do you need to go to film school, or you can just no. learn as you go? Let me. I have something bookmarked on my Safari page. It's called Tomorrow's Filmmakers. And yeah. what is that? And tomorrow's filmmakers, they're um they have this whole whole online course portal with a bunch of different um educational videos. It's like a it's literally like online school and you pay a, a, a fee and it's totally worth that instead of going to university. Goodness gracious, yeah. Don't don't go to university for video work. No. Just get real life experience, please. I learned a just lot. Just film of- like your grandma's story. You know, yeah. that's what I did. And just people around you in your neighborhood. They have so many interesting folks that live right in your backyard. You don't have to go to Hollywood. That's so true. Yeah. It's um, also very good to watch YouTube. And then yep, just like YouTube film, tutorials. Oh, for sure. Film, right. test, edit, learn how to do things. Like I still sometimes struggle with color schemes and mm-hmm. saturation. I've gotten a little better with it, but sometimes I try to find like good lining where my editing is minimal. Mm-hmm. So I try to do that. But oh I yeah, I I can give away some secret sauce here. So I used to like oh, use boy. a bunch of different LUTs. They're called yes lookup tables, basically in layman's terms, filter. Yes. Okay. For like your an footage. Instagram filter. Yeah, but I just use this guy. Um, his website I think it's called emotivecolor.com, and he specializes in making um LUTs that look like from like an re cinema camera and so i i only use that one now and that's why all the footage looks the same looks like a film film camera you know like that hollywood actually uses so i've just i only use that lot now and it simplifies everything because before i would have to go search for how do you get um i don't know it, it streamlined the process way easier so now my editing process is much quicker than it used to be uh we had a hard drive issue the other week where I had to go get it repaired and sent it off. Learned that lesson. Covered. Yeah, I've learned that. Learned to back up footage now. So that's another tip there. Yeah. What are some important tips for people who are interested um, in outdoor filmmaking? It, it applies to people who are not yeah. even in it, but obviously making sure you have enough storage, the right camera. Yep. You can pick up skills as you go. Yeah. I, what else do you? I also, a lot of folks like um, in film, like know a lot about lighting. I'll be honest. I don't really know much about you lighting or like for natural light though, yeah i like i shot. just like outside outside lighting better just inside you're just always got wonky lights and sometimes it just does not look as flattering and um obviously shooting at golden hour is optimal if you want if you really want to plan things out ideally but if you're running gun filmmaking which is a lot of what i do then you're just rolling with the punches which i like and some other tips are um Get a external monitor for viewing because a tiny little LCD screen, if you're trying to do filmmaking, it can be really dim and really small. And if you want your subject to look back at the footage, it helps to have an external monitor, a nice bigger screen for them to look at. Like, just get a five-inch one. It's not that much money. Other tips, um, you can, you know, when you're traveling, 
you can put your tripod in your suitcase, fit you one. You have smaller. a special case that you use. Yeah. Do you recommend that one? You've had. Oh some- yeah, my Pelican case. Yeah, yeah, get a Pelican case, and you can cut it, cut the inside of the case, um, to fit the exact size of your camera. I need to redo that, but add more cushions. Yep. You had some issues with the cushioning, but yeah. it is a sturdy case. I know people in the outdoor industry. Yeah, you just look more. Pelican. No, I know a handful of people in my orbit indirectly indirectly they do use it and it's always pushed out there like people you wouldn't think who are pretty well known they use pelican too and then my final tips here would be you know not everything is technical like most of what we're trying to do is storytelling and um you know i've just i've watched a lot of different little documentaries and i just observe what shots they're doing you know the detail shots they get the establishing shots they get and i've just learned to kind of you know, with it, with copying everyone, not everyone, but just copying a bunch of different people. And then come, it turns into your own kind of style and your own niche. You can never really yeah. copy someone unless you're like right. stealing their things. Right. I think you could look at someone's style and take it and then be like, okay, I know what tactics right. they're using. Versus like, yeah, something like, oh, they frame their subject like this or uh, they film slow motion a lot or something like that. That's what I mean. And you've probably noticed because you do this a lot more adept than I do. You're more adept at this than I am. And like, for me, I've had to learn as I go. I've only been using the mirrorless platform for about two years to film 4k cinematic type stuff. Before that, I was just doing largely my Sony or not Sony, my Canon rebel T six. And that was fun, you know, for a starter kit, but I was like, I am so limited by this. I need to move to this. And I spent a lot of money, but I got a lot of points which is great towards tickets and stuff. So it didn't go to waste. It was not in vain, these purchases. And you really do kind of have to improvise and you're not always going to be an expert. And I've known for me, it's like trial and error, like just filming stuff, getting yeah. content and then seeing what you could do with it. Yeah. And then also if you're trying to get audio or interviews, like I feel like you could do it. Like we're recording right now on mm-hmm. one of the lav mics or two of the lav mics that I was given when I purchased my roadie wireless shotgun microphones. Yeah. And so like, this is super easy to record on your phone. You could do it, you know, in the field, if you record, if your phone has 4k capabilities, you can certainly do put a little tripod. Boom. If you're worried about like using expensive equipment, so you can improvise. And I definitely want to get, I was talking with you about wanting to get the GoPro hero nine, mm-hmm. which is maybe like 300 something dollar price point, which is phenomenal. So I can use it for underwater filming for fish releases, take it in really tough terrain and not worry about damaging my mm-hmm. expensive Sony Alpha. Yeah. So like there's so many different tools. Certainly a mirrorless or a professional camera can work. Mm-hmm. Now they make um, mirrorless actually. My friend Alex of East Coast Contessa who likes fishing and she started to do fly fishing. And I saw her a few days before we got together. She just bought the new canon mirrorless camera which is really compact and tiny so like you could even buy something like that at a cheaper price point and just get started by doing that and just have fun with it do outdoor storytelling capture some interesting hook a fishing trip Mm -hmm. a hunting trip something in extractive industries or natural resources then just make it come alive if you have a really interesting subject so you don't have to go crazy some of us have spent a little bit like and i'm spending my own money no one is paying me to do my like random stuff on the side aside from what we do with Mm -hmm. c-fact of course because that's we do official stuff with them but like when i'm trying to do stuff on the side from c-fact yeah it's like i've had to learn as i go i've had to spend my own money yeah it's really hard to get sponsors like i think you you probably see this like it is it is hard and we were talking about some other project unrelated to c-fact work 
or conservation nation about like maybe doing crowdsourcing. Cause like, mm-hmm. I would hate to ask people for money, but if it's something compelling and we can get sponsorship, yeah. like for freelancer stuff, I feel yeah. like if we make a case and we use donor resources really well, mm-hmm. like put all the good use, we're not enriching ourselves. I think people will like that and want to pr- support yeah. content like that. And I think it's possible if you make yeah. a good pitch. Absolutely. Anything else you want to add before you send people to your social media and people potentially could hire you? Not, yeah. not competitors. Like if you have stuff unrelated to outdoor stuff too, definitely recommend Matt Addison because right. I don't think she's going to want to do too much, you know, unless if it's not a conflict of interest yeah. you know, with us, like don't, don't poach her from me. Cause I really like working <laughs> with her, but if you have something kind of similar in the outdoor space, but maybe a brand product or something, she'd be great to talk yeah, to. Like I said, I'm an independent contractor, so I'm, available for hire guys so yeah reach out to me say hi and i can help you get your message out there um that's what i love to do i love meeting people and and doing that doing this stuff so and where can people find you so the website i have is called it's madisonhughes.com and the instagram handle is it's madisonhughes and you can reach out to me there don't you have youtube too um it's more for your music side yeah music side and some and my other youtube channel is just strictly portfolio but i need to figure out a way to merge that but for now i think i'll just let like the clients post the final edits and i'll just share kind of behind the scenes and we'll share to my story their final edits so yeah you have full permission from us to share any behind the scenes from cfax yeah. so you were hesitant before i was like no sure if i'm sharing it like you can share it because it's yeah. your work you made it you made it and, and and it's it's yours obviously but yeah you could always share behind the scenes i think right. people would like that and maybe when we drive back to bozeman we can record. We still have to do. A te- I forgot. We forgot to do a testimonial. So I don't mind wearing glasses. Yeah. I'll put a little makeup. So, I'll do. I'll okay. be in my glasses maybe, or like I'll take off my glasses yeah. and help you get a little testimonial. But I think, you know, it's yeah. been so much fun to work with you. So I fun. know we're not done. We have a lot more fun content to make. A lot of adventures to be had. A lot of serious material to work with and polish and really help come alive. Yeah. Help make come alive. The going forward process. Yes, we have a little bit of that. And we work together really well on that too. Like with my scripts, it's kind of a guide for your thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a full-fledged process. I love it. I always love enjoy it. working with you. You're yep. so much fun. And like I love getting you roped into these kinds of things. And maybe <laughs> maybe if we get more time in filming, if we have to be in places longer, like I will get you to do some fishing. Yes. Hunting may take a little time because it. I'm still learning as I go, but I definitely want you to try like fishing and for you to see like what's behind the scenes a little bit more into these activities. You'll feel more relaxed too doing this, but we'll maybe do some birding. You got a little bit of taste of wildlife viewing when we saw the grizzlies and some other things. So it's, yeah, we're going to get you roped in eventually because I think it's important for those who film and participate behind the scenes to actually experience it themselves. I agree. So we'll do that. Okay, so we will leave it at that. Madison, thank you so much for coming on District of Conservation to share a little bit of your method to your madness what we do a little bit here with Conservation Nation and how people can connect with you. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds. All of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by 
blue check marks, really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. Stay tuned for the next episode. Really appreciate you listening to District of Conservation. 